0: Hello, and welcome to The Uncover Up. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nathan Radke, and joining me today is my own exhaustion. This episode is being recorded in July of 2021, which means that we are now 16 months into a pandemic and 16 months into the lockdown that has accompanied the pandemic. And what happens to a brain in that environment? Well, two things that our brains do poorly with and two things that exist in abundance in our current situation are extended periods of stress and a lack of novelty. The first condition makes us edgy and tired and punchy, and the second one makes us bored and listless. If you're listening to this episode around when it's released, then you're probably keenly aware of what this has done to your own brain. If you're listening to this episode sometime in the future, I hope things are better. Uh, Don't tell me what happens though, I like a surprise. So what's it like right now and why is it like that? When we feel like we have little or no control over a situation, as many people currently do as this episode is being recorded, our brain's ability to turn random background noise into meaningful patterns kicks into overdrive. It's doing this to try to protect us, to help us understand what's happening around us and to identify potential threats before they can hurt us. But 16 months of our collective brain scrambling to try to identify invisible enemies and hidden plots has led to some pretty wild consequences. At the individual level, people are experiencing anxiety, depression, and relationship issues. At the social level, wild ideas and rumors are spreading through the population at an unprecedented rate. Our brains are finding enemies and plots everywhere. Because of my alleged area of expertise, since all of this has started, I've been giving radio interviews once or twice a week about everything from identifying strange aircraft flying over the city to trying to explain why so many people have started believing their houses are haunted since lockdown kicked in. And that's why, to let me escape my current situation for at least a little while, this is going to be a throwback episode. We're going to flee this current moment in history with all of its politically driven paranoia, misinformation, disinformation, and partisanship. And we're going back in time to 2015, a time of great politically driven paranoia, misinformation, disinformation, and partisanship. But a change is as good as a rest, as they say. This is all- In the spring of 2015, the internet was buzzing with a sinister plot that was unfolding in plain sight. Soldiers in full gear with heavy equipment were preparing to deploy to and occupy seven American states. Texas, Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, California, Nevada, and Colorado. This invasion had a name, Operation Jade Helm 15, and the sinister organization behind it was the American government. Of course, that shouldn't be that much of a surprising reveal. There's a long history of American fears about the American federal government attacking the United States. And it'll help our understanding of Jade Helm if we briefly go back and look at one example of this phenomenon. Back in 1941, with fascism on the march in Spain, Italy, and Germany, many Americans were less concerned about those governments than they were about the looming menace in their own backyard, President Franklin D. Roosevelt. He had just increased the reach and scope of the FBI, which struck many people as government overreach, and a lot of people worried that the agency could now be used for political reasons to spy on Roosevelt's opponents and critics. With the introduction of the New Deal economic program, the size of the federal government swelled, and as did the amount of Americans who were now required to pay income tax to pay the federal bills of this massive program. Of course, many of the New Deal policies were popular, particularly to those Americans who needed help after the financial crash of 1929 and the Great Depression that followed. But wealthy industrialists were furious about Roosevelt's support of unions. When FDR increased the size of the Supreme Court, his Republican opponents called it a totalitarian grab for power. And maybe most significantly, after the disaster of World War I, many Americans weren't keen on getting into another European conflict. In a 1941 poll, 81% of American surveyed stated that they wanted to stay out of World War II, but Roosevelt appeared to wanted America to enter the war in order to fight Germany. A political group had formed with the express intention of undermining Roosevelt's power and preventing him from entering into the war against the Nazis. It was called the America First Committee. One of the most famous members was Charles Lindbergh, who had become a household name after flying solo across the Atlantic Ocean in 1927. Lindbergh had been awarded the service cross of the German eagle from the Nazi government, and had made public statements sympathetic to some of the Nazi actions and policies. And so Lindbergh was particularly unhappy with Roosevelt's anti-Nazi positions and rhetoric. In front of a congressional committee, Lindbergh testified that the danger to America at the beginning of the 1940s wasn't
1: the fascist dictatorships in Europe. Instead, it... Lies not in an invasion from abroad. I believe it lies here, at home, in our own midst. Thanks to the
0: newfangled invention of radio, anti-Roosevelt groups were able to instantly spread conspiracy theories and accusations to an audience of thousands, and of course Roosevelt was able to do the same with his political enemies in his fireside chat radio broadcasts. It was in this accusatory environment of hyper-partisanship that one of the most infamous days in American history took place. On December 7, 1941, the Japanese Imperial Navy attacked the base of Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and in a decisive and well-planned and executed attack, destroyed much of the American Pacific fleet. It was a shocking defeat for the United States, and many Americans refused to believe at first that Japan could have pulled an attack as massive as this one off. General Douglas MacArthur at first insisted that the planes who were bombing the American airfield couldn't possibly be Japanese. It must have been white pilots flying planes with Japanese markings. When these racist theories proved to be absurd and completely incorrect, Some of FDR's political opponents started pushing a different version of the conspiracy, arguing that while maybe it was the Japanese who carried off the actual attack, FDR knew about the plan beforehand and allowed it to happen in order to justify getting into the war against Nazi Germany. As America First supporter John Flynn wrote at the time, Roosevelt had done everything except swimming underwater with the bombs in his teeth. As we've discussed in our episode on False Flags, this theory was based on an incorrect assumption about the Americans' ability to break the Japanese military codes, and ignores the historical fact that even after the Pearl Harbor attack, the American government still didn't declare war against Germany. It was actually Germany that declared war on the United States in the Second World War. And it's hard now to say how much of the idea from the America First crowd that FDR was secretly responsible for the Pearl Harbor attack was based in genuine belief that the theory was true, and how much was just cynical political maneuvering. In a letter to Republican leaders at the time, a party operative wrote, Republicans have been clamoring for an issue. Pearl Harbor is ready-made for them on the highest emotional plane. In other words, blaming Roosevelt for the attack could be a political winner, as it would cause an emotional reaction amongst voters, regardless of whether it was true or not. Politics is often about feelings, not reason. And one of the best ways to fire up the emotions of your base is to tell them that there is a secret conspiracy being carried out against them by your political opponents. 74 years later, those feelings were bubbling over again, as many Americans were looking at their federal government with suspicion. In 2015, Democratic President Barack Obama was nearing the end of his second term. But on YouTube videos and message boards, people speculated that he wasn't going to leave even though the 22nd Amendment of the Constitution states that no president can serve more than two terms. Since Obama's first presidential election in 2008, emails had been circulating stating that he was actually the Antichrist. Although, of course, similar claims had been made about Jimmy Carter in the 1970s. Others argued that Obama had been born in Kenya, or was actually a shape-shifting alien reptile. But regardless of the specifics of the theories, the things they had in common was that Obama wasn't a real American, and that he was a threat to real America. Another thing these claims had in common was that none of them were true. A reasonable person could have found problems with many of Obama's policies, but these claims weren't about Obama's actions as president, they were fallacious attacks on his legitimacy as president. And so when word started getting out that spring that Obama was planning an invasion of Texas. Many people were extremely alarmed. The operation was called Jade Helm 15, and even the name was suspicious and sinister. After all, what country is associated with jade? China. And the word helm has several meanings, but one of them is as a verb meaning to control or to steer. As in the sentence, Obama, the shape-shifting reptile, helmed the country to ruin. Put it together and what do you get? Operation China Takes Control in 2015. And the way it was going to happen was by Obama sending in thousands of troops to seven of the southern states. In the official government document titled Request to Conduct Realistic Military Training Jade Helm 15, there was a map of the areas that were going to be involved. While California, Colorado, Nevada, and New Mexico were covered in light blue or blue, which according to the legend provided on the document indicated that they were to be considered leaning friendly or permissive, Arizona was colored brown, which meant uncertain, and Texas and Utah were colored red, which was clearly labeled as hostile. Under the What to Expect section of the document, it states, Increased aircraft in the area at night. May receive noise complaints. Some individuals may conduct suspicious activities designed to prepare them for complex environments overseas. Some participants will be wearing civilian attire and driving civilian vehicles. There was also a full page with the ominous Jade Helm 15 logo, which features a dagger crossed with two arrows over the words, Master the Human Domain. On March 22nd, the website Infowars ran a story titled, Feds Preparing to Invade Texas... Listed state as hostile. Chuck Norris wrote an editorial in the World Net Daily in which he expressed concern and suspicion that Jade Helm was actually a cover for something else, stating, We must never check our brains or blindly trust, especially the government. Rather, we must fight until our dying breaths for liberty, especially when it appears those in power are trying to knock down old glory. Um, sorry, that was that was way more Chuck Heston than Chuck Norris.
1: The message board underneath was lit up with people who agreed with Mr. Norris. One wrote, Chuck is right. The Jade Helm exercise is designed for one thing detaining Americans. Listen, Obama has one and a half years to go, and he has already broken America down to its lowest status in history. ISIS have pretty much taken over. This is in our government and society. This will set up martial law. This will allow them to detain Americans. The Antichrist has come on the scene soon. You liberal, Obama-loving Democrats are as bad, if not worse, than the ones who are doing this. You spread your lie about how this could never happen. When someone starts to warn people, you then come and criticize them to make them look crazy. The crazy one is you. Wake up, and remember, our government is not your friend. They are not for you. They are TPTB, and they understand that there is a plan in place for the Antichrist. Wake up, sheeple.
0: Uh, TPTB here refers to the powers that be. I had to look that one up. But if Obama was sending in the troops to occupy Texas, what was the end goal? That wasn't totally clear, but many commentators discussed the possibility that it was to grab guns away from Texas citizens. Or to create an artificial state of emergency, which Obama would then use to justify canceling the 2015 election and remain in power as dictator-in-chief. Whatever the reason, there was plenty of evidence that pointed towards something big going down in the Lone Star State. Turning up the temperature even higher was an email published on the conspiracy website thecommonsenseshow.com that went viral. In it, the author claimed to be a Texas Ranger, although provided no proof of that, and warned that there were trains moving throughout Texas that appeared to be modified to transport large amounts of prisoners at once to some manner of federal detention camps. Then, just as people were becoming aware of the upcoming Jade Helm operation, something else strange happened. Six giant Walmart superstores, including two in Texas and one in California, were suddenly closed, and 2,200 employees were laid off. Those employees were only given a few hours' warning that the stores would be closed and that the workers would be laid off for up to six months. And the official reason from Walmart was that the stores required emergency plumbing repair, despite, according to ABC News reporting, no plumbing permits being applied for by Walmart in the cities those stores were in. In addition, Six months appeared to many people to be an unusual amount of time needed to fix plumbing issues, and the fact that so many stores all required emergency plumbing simultaneously was, at the very least, highly coincidental. This caused massive speculation as to how the closures could be related to the imminent invasion of Texas. Some online bloggers claimed that the stores were going to be used as food supply depots to feed the armies of Chinese troops that were about to be brought in. Some sites claimed that enormous tunnels had been drilled connecting all of the shuttered Walmarts, so that foreign troops could move around the country without being noticed. Other bloggers agreed about the troops in the tunnels, but stated that the troops would be Turkish rather than Chinese. Still others claimed that the empty stores were going to be rebuilt as detention centers for the thousands of patriotic Americans who were about to be caught up in a massive government crackdown of freedom and liberty. You've probably noticed that some of these hypotheses are completely contradictory. If the Walmarts are going to be used as food depositories for Chinese troops, then how can they also be used as detention centers for liberty-loving Americans? This is a fairly common situation when interest in an event is high and information is low. Rather than explanations, we see competing speculations. And then, as fear and suspicion was already running high, a number of powerful storms battered Texas. The website IntelliHub wrote, Speculation and actual evidence has been released in the last two days that has many believing that Texas is under attack with weather manipulation technology. Some believe the reason for this attack is to soften up the area in advance of Jade Helm 2015 going live. The website, before its news, blamed the storms on the federal government using the HAARP project to target Texas. And the All News Pipeline website wrote, From severe drought conditions to deadly storms and flooding, all in a little over a month, brings about the question of whether Texas is being deliberately targeted by weather warfare technology because of their resistance, very public resistance, I might add, to the Jade Helm exercises scheduled. In addition to gaining traction in blogs and conspiracy sites, the Jade Helm 15 conspiracy received a considerable boost when several figures of authority appeared to support the suspicion that the U.S. Army was hiding the truth about the exercises. One notable example was American Congressman Louis Gohmert, who released an official statement through his government website saying that, "...over the past few weeks, my office has been inundated with calls referring to the Jade Helm 15 military exercise scheduled to take place between July 15th and September 15th, 2015. This military practice
1: has some concern that the U.S. Army is preparing for modern-day martial law. Certainly, I can understand these concerns." When leaders within the current administration believe that major threats to
0: the country include those who support the Constitution, are military veterans, or even cling to guns or religion, patriotic Americans have reason to be concerned. Another influential politician who encouraged the conspiracy was Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who ordered the Texas State Guard to monitor the exercise, arguing that it is important that Texans know their safety, constitutional rights, private property rights, and civil liberties will not be infringed upon. It wasn't all doom and gloom, though. Rumors started circulating online that a Russian armada was sailing across the ocean to help protect patriotic Texans from the American invasion. Which, to my Cold War-era ears, is a very strange sentence to hear. But we'll get back to the Russian connection later in the episode. Not everyone in America was willing to wait around for the Russians to save them. In particular, three men from North Carolina became fully convinced that the Jade Helm exercises posed a genuine threat to liberty and freedom and had spent several months after first hearing about the Jade Helm 15 theories collecting weapons, even telling the military surplus store owner that they purchased many of their supplies from that they believed martial law would soon be declared in the United States. The names of these men are a matter of public record because it turned out that the military surplus store owner was also an informant for the FBI and the three men were arrested and charged. According to the FBI, the men were not only gathering conventional rifles and handguns, but the equipment necessary to produce pipe bombs and other improvised explosive devices that would then be used against U.S. Army personnel. Some of the IEDs that they were planning on using included coffee cans full of ball bearings. When detonated, the ball bearings would then spread into a wide area, tearing apart the bodies of anyone nearby with metal shrapnel. The plan was to lure American soldiers into an ambush and then kill as many of them as possible. One of the men who was considered the leader of the group was found guilty and sentenced to 22 months in prison, while the other two received sentences of 21 months. While their names are easy to find online, I'm not going to say them on this podcast for several reasons. One is that they weren't successful in their plan to kill anyone. While they may have wanted and were prepared to carry out these acts, nobody was actually hurt by them. Two is that they've already served their time. Three is that the leader of this group was a veteran of the Gulf War who had won a bronze star for bravery, but had returned to his country, as many veterans had, with severe PTSD and substance abuse issues. And four, as horrifying as the acts they were planning were, ultimately, these three men were victims. Victims of a weaponized disinformation campaign that convinced them that an attack was coming when it wasn't. Because, and this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody listening to this podcast, Operation Jade Helm 15 came and went without martial law being declared, everyone's guns being seized, Chinese troops on American streets, or Texans rounded up and put into detention camps. Instead, Jade Helm 15 turned out to be exactly what the army stated it was, a war game-style military exercise. War game-style military exercises aren't uh, an unusual occurrence for any organized armed force. They're different from typical training exercises in that they try to simulate battle conditions. For example, conventional training includes practice like firing range drills or obstacle courses, while a war game will mimic how an actual operation might take place. It's a a simulation, with the soldiers interacting in a less controlled, more realistic environment. These exercises allow the military to prepare troops for the kind of experiences that they would be likely to encounter in a real-world engagement, as well as testing equipment and technology in a warlike situation. The unpredictability that comes from staging exercises outside of the relatively controlled environment of a military base is also considered a useful benefit, as it forces soldiers and commanders to adapt quickly to unexpected situations. After all, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. In addition to practical training purposes, there can also sometimes be a political subtext hidden behind the staging of war games. It can be a way for a state to display its military power to its adversaries in a more realistic setting than a conventional military parade or airshow display. It can also be a demonstration of increased readiness. Back in the Cold War, during the age of mutually assured destruction, war games were a way for the Americans and the Soviets to flex a little at each other, without risking the annihilation of the world. And there have been times in which a war game was used to conceal the fact that the military maneuvers were actually part of a real invasion. For example, the government of Russia carried out its Kavkaz 2008 war games immediately before invading the neighboring country of Georgia. The exercises were used as an excuse for the massive deployment of troops and equipment in order to maintain an element of surprise for the actual operation. Jade Helm 15 was a large exercise, but not unusually so. Approximately 1,200 American troops took part, and the official explanation for why those particular states were chosen for the exercise was the varied terrain, that would help the troops prepare for the kind of locations they might be sent to overseas. The arid deserts of Texas, for example, would help them train for the inevitable wars that they would be sent to in the Persian Gulf region. And while Texas had been labeled a hostile area, so would parts of California. This just meant that the exercise protocols would be different in those areas compared to the areas that had been labeled friendly. It's a routine procedure when designing war games. In the Navy war game Bold Alligator 14, parts of Florida were labeled as hostile. And during the Robin Sage exercises, parts of North Carolina were labeled as insurgent strongholds. And since Jade Helm ended, there have been other war games held in Texas during the Trump administration without similar fears and suspicions circulating amongst the population. As for the Walmart closures, there may well have been something sketchy and shady going on there. But it was nothing to do with housing Turkish soldiers or building detention camps for Texans. Instead, it's more likely that the closures were designed to interrupt organized labor movements, gaining a hold within Walmart locations. One of the stores closed in Pico Rivera, California, had seen a number of strike and sit-in actions protesting working conditions starting in 2012. The United Food and Commercial Workers International Union filed a claim to get the corporation to rehire the workers that had been laid off during the closures, stating that Walmart has targeted this store because the associates have been among the most active associates around the country to improve working conditions. So if the Jade Helm 15 exercises weren't unusual, why did they generate such heat online? This phenomenon had some of the characteristics of the mass panics we've looked at in the past, including media framing and reinforcement from authority figures. However, in this case, the media framing came almost entirely from social media rather than the mainstream media. Some analysts, including former CIA head Michael Hayden and former FBI investigator Clint Watts, argued that much of that traffic was driven and amplified by bots directed by Russian intelligence. Of course, the CIA and the FBI are two organizations that are no strangers to producing disinformation themselves. But Russian and Soviet intelligence agencies do have a long history of introducing and promoting false claims as a form of psychological warfare. Which isn't surprising, it's an extremely effective and cost-efficient method of attacking a rival. And the more partisan divide that exists within a society, the more fractures, the more entrenched opposing political views, the more vulnerable that society is to this sort of psychological manipulation. False conspiracy theories can be engineered that specifically target the biases, prejudices, and fears of segments of the population, And we are often willing and eager to believe something that confirms our biases, prejudices, and fears, even if it means going way out on a limb on our claims. The American politicians who were supporting the Jade Helm conspiracy theories were likely not working for Russian intelligence. Instead, their motivations were probably much simpler. They saw an opportunity to flirt with the spread of disinformation in order to appeal to the emotions of their voter base. It's a very tempting way for a political figure to tap into a powerful motivational energy. It's been done many times in the past by politicians of all political stripes. However, false conspiracy theories don't create a productive energy. It's a destructive energy. And politicians who think they can hold on to that conspiratorial fire without being consumed by it are playing a very dangerous game. There are obviously plenty of good reasons to distrust governments. We've covered many of those in previous episodes and will continue to do so in future episodes. But it's crucial to always keep something in mind. Sometimes, when you think you've detected a conspiracy theory about secret manipulation, the theory that you now believe and is now part of your worldview is the secret manipulation. We are what we think, so we should be careful about what we think.